Hi everyone and welcome back to the Caro podcast. This week's interview is with photographer Emma Lewis. Emma was the first person I met when I moved to Bruton. Not only was she one of my first customers, but she's photographed everything around Caro from the shop, the B&B, any events I've had, as well as my portrait when I've needed it. She's also taken portraits of impressive people such as Bill Nighy, David Attenborough and Orla Keeley. She has a real warm and calm nature, which I think finds you surrendering to the camera, even if you're terrified of having your picture taken. Her other photography has been published in all the major interior and weekend magazines, working with incredible brands, makers and designers, including Cabana, Hazlitz and Molly Mann. She is now embarking on a new horizon into the world of fine art photography, turning to nature as inspiration. It is my absolute pleasure to welcome my lovely friend, Emma. It's like um, Elizabeth Day, isn't? Well, that's what I'm going for. I just thought I'd aim high with my interests. (laughs) We realise that your career seems to be marked in ten-year blocks. It is. Yes, you started out working in film as a producer. How did the move into photography happen? So basically, yeah, I did ten years in film, kind of TV, starting as a runner, working my work, working on Rise. Do you ever remember the Breakfast? TV program called Rise. It was on Channel 4. It was when Big Brother was happening and we were hanging out with them. And, and then I was working at Talkback and worked for Stephen Polyakov, who is a writer and director, and um, was his assistant and just kind of stuck with him for about seven years, I think, working with the likes of Bill Nye and Eddie Redmayne and all these wonderful people. Um, but I had really always wanted to be a photographer, but didn't know I could be a photographer because who knew you could make a living by doing something you love and taking pictures? But when I was working with Stephen, he paid me quite well, gave me some good bonuses. <laughs> so I bought myself a camera <laughs> and a lens and a tripod, and it was all really exciting. God, how old were you? I don't think I'd been spending my bonuses on something, so... But, well, I travelled quite a lot as well, but okay. it's like I need... I was really excited by it, and I was suddenly seeing, it's like, hey, look, these people are coming in and taking, being paid to take pictures on set. I did, I, my awareness was becoming more aware. <laughs> And um, I was like, okay, this is something I've always wanted to do. And actually, I think I can do this. Yeah. And then Talkback, where we were working, Talkback Thames, made the drama department redundant, which was me and Stephen. Mm-hmm. And so I got a year's pay. And I was like, okay, this is it. Wow. Here's my moment. I moved back home with my mum and dad. And I just started calling myself a photographer. And I'd kind of say it and then snigger behind my hair because I was like... I'm not a photographer. I mean, I've never, I didn't study in it. I had, I just had always had a camera in my hand and was taking pictures. So you're self-taught? Totally self-taught. Hadn't been in a dark room. Like it just wasn't in my education. It just Mm. wasn't there. Although I wanted it to be, but I could never kind of put it into words that that's what I wanted to do. I just followed along the trail that I was given. Then I was starting to realise like, oh, I can be a photographer. And my elder sister, Henny Tate, was an interior designer at the time. And she was like, well, come along and photograph my projects. So that was really nice. So I went along with Hen and kind of worked with her. And actually, before I did that, I, um, I wrote to a few interior photographers saying, can I come and assist you? 
and Simon Brown, who's a really very successful interior photographer, happened to have just his assistant had left that week and he was like, yeah, sure. Can you come up now? And I was like, yeah, sure. Jumped in the car, went and met him, had a cup of tea. And he was like, okay, well, you seem quite nice. Come along. (laughs) (laughs) Little did you know, as a rubbish assistant. (laughs) And our first thing, he was like, well, actually, I'm going up to Northumberland on the weekend. Will you come with me? So off we went in his van up to Northumberland. Do you remember that first trip? Yes, because there I was, you know, like driving along with this really cool photographer. He's such a nice man. So kind and kind of generous. And I learned everything from him in a few months. And did he teach you much technically as well? Or what kind of things was he teaching you? (laughs) So I was a rubbish assistant because all I was like, so what what setting have you got it on? What are you doing there? And he was so generous and was um, kind of told me everything he was knowing. But I mean, essentially, I I was helping him with everything he needed but just watching every move so I learned by watching what he mm. was doing and then I kind of we just did a couple of months together and then I was like actually I'm gonna go and try and do this myself so then I was shooting with Hen and I just kind of started building up a portfolio I wrote to every interior designer I could find saying I mean it's so ballsy now when I think about it because I was way underqualified but <laughs> I would you like me to come and shoot your projects? Um, and when I'd been working with Simon, I met lovely Liz Elliott, who's the editor-at-large at House and Garden. We went and stayed the night with her on a job that he was doing, and she's a very nice person. And it's like all these kind of lucky things happened. Mm. Um, a friend was working for this very nice interior designer called Amanda Baring, who had designed this beautiful house in Notting Hill, full of ceramics it was um her client collected ceramics and so I shot that for Amanda for her website and then sent it to Liz at House and Garden and she was like yeah great we love it can you shoot it for us Mm -hmm. and so I was like okay my first commission is with House and Garden I hired a Hasselblad because Simon had worked with a Hasselblad so I was like oh okay I need to use this (laughs) shot the the house and then I got the cover Oh my God, Which amazing. Which just actually never happened again. But it's like all these little things um, came into place. Yeah. And I was putting myself out there. You know, I was kind of just, yeah, approaching anyone and everyone. And then from having that cover, then it just carried on rolling. And did that intimidate you once you got that cover as like your first No, I job? didn't realise. Like it was that, you know, you kind of, same old story of, I was younger and I didn't realise how hard that actually was. I was so new in the business. I was like, wow, this is thrilling, but great. You know, and then I got a Homes and Gardens cover, I think. And then I never got a cover with them again. (laughs) But it definitely helped propel me along my career. Yeah. Um, did it introduce? Did it help you get future jobs or was it introductions after that? Yes, because I think in my hundreds of emails that I sent Mm. out, every day when I wasn't working I'd say oh I've here's I've shot the cover of House and Garden yeah and so as soon as you said that that's like a big mm, tick huge yeah so that was that was amazing and actually another fortuitous thing that happened was I was um I went on a lighting course I actually never liked my photography I don't like photography that's lit I'll use natural light but again I was kind of feeling under um educated so I went on this course and it was rubbish. <laughs> Didn't learn a thing. But I met Kristen Perez, who is 
the most beautiful photographer. I just love her work so much. Mm. She's got an amazing eye. She was a stylist first, and then she was becoming a photographer at a similar time. And again, I said, can I come and assist you? <laughs> when we met at lunchtime. And she's like, yeah, sure, why not? And I went off with her, and I hope Kristen doesn't mind me saying, but she just had, like, not the hassle, £20,000 Hasselblad, but just kind of the cheap cheaper Canon with a the 50 pound 50 mil lens and she was taking these amazing pictures and I was like oh okay I don't need a Hasselblad I just need the camera that I've got but to have the eye and that was a really um kind of very useful lesson it's not all about the gear and the mm. technical know-how and it's so encouraging she, it was really encouraging she was just coming in with this beautiful eye and again learning the kind of um technology of it along the way which obviously you need to have some idea of it. But um, yeah, so it was a nice, it's a very nice intro. The two people I did assist came at it from a very different angle, but that helped me shape what I was doing. Now I'm on my next journey, which Mm -hmm. is just so exciting. I just had realised I was, what I was finding thrilling at the beginning with my interior photography, I'm now like, oh, I've got to go and Mm. shoot a beautiful house and edit it. And it's just not bringing me it's not sparking any joy so I'm like okay it's time time to change so that's what I'm doing you have professed to being a non-thinker following your gut when making decisions yeah does this way of thinking provide a sense of freedom or does it present restrictions well it's such a I don't know but so I definitely I kind of I have this um kind of chat quite a lot because there are so many interesting people around where we are luckily a lot of them are um, art school people. Trained. Trained, yeah. yeah. Particularly my, my partner, Kelvin Smith, is very art school and he was a teacher. And there's this, re- and everyone always says to me, so what art school did you go to? It's like, well, I, I didn't. I went to a very academic school that mm. didn't encourage art in any way. So much so I didn't even know an art foundation existed. Had I known, I would love to mm. have done that. Um, and they come at to art in such a thoughtful way, like thinking about every aspect of it and knowing about all the different techniques you can use to realise your idea, whereas I don't have any of that knowledge. You know, and they talk about all these big thinkers, and I'm like, oh, I don't, I don't know. I just use my gut. Yeah. <laughs> so anything, I was like, oh, I, that makes me feel happy. I love that image. Like, it's not a, um, I'm not like, oh, that was done by... Picasso back in whatever it's just yeah I just purely go with instinct and you're obviously following your career with instinct right at the forefront as well yeah so if finding or feeling your gut is feels really instinctive does that ever feel overwhelming or do you feel like you sort of have a strong connection so I have a lot of ideas that have always just passed by my mum is an artist and she is, talking about Picasso, she's a bit like Picasso. She's so prolific <laughs> that she's doing like lino cuts one day and then she's um, doing some oil painting and then she's doing a collage and she just does all these millions of ideas and actually she kind of acts on them. Whereas I've been like, ideas come to me, I'm like, oh, I'm going to do this. And then it just passes by. So that's what I want to try and do now is actually kind of capture these ideas and make realise them. So it doesn't feel overwhelming, but... And also maybe you're thinking more uh, sort of in the micro rather than really big thinking. Oh, yeah. Yes, yes. This is something I realised is I don't think big. 
<laughs> and I see these other artists. I'm like, oh my God, how did you do that? And they're just like, I, I feel what we talked about. It's like, I feel like I need to unleash my creativity. It's been like trapped. And I think that was school. It was just like capped off. It was like, no, you've got to think about economics. Don't think about art. So something stopped it. And I've always felt this kind of feeling of it's in there, but I can't access it. So, yeah, I guess I've never felt overwhelmed by it because I've never accessed it. But this is what I'm trying to do now is like, unleash it. Yeah. And how do you? How are you? I don't you? know. <laughs> how, will you, how are you trying to unleash? So, what I'm doing is I, um, I kind of, I stopped... I tried to give myself a break from what I was doing to give myself space to... I just I realised I was ready for this next kind of journey, for want of a better word. And I, I did, you know, I did one of kind of those spidergrams, like, what do I want to do? Mm. I oh, do God, this, I've done do so that. many of those. I've I literally do them on a weekly basis, like, Emma. Just, <laughs> really? <laughs> oh, my God. Is it useful? Very. Yeah, well, I think I've it was... Moved. And morning notes. So yes, I started morning notes, artist's way. Um, and... What came up was I wanted to slow down. I wanted to be in nature more. I'm always in nature, but I wanted to kind of um, study it a bit more, I guess. That sounds mm. a bit pretentious, but that's what Are I you in your garden a lot? All the time. Yeah. We're always in our garden. We bought our house for the garden. Mm. Like that is our happy place. As a family, we're in the garden. And I inherited a greenhouse, and that is my greatest joy. <laughs> Just being in the greenhouse, particularly this time of year. Literally every day I go in and talk to my little seedlings and look mm. to see which ones have come up. So, yeah, that definitely... So, yeah, nature and walking for me is very important. I have to kind of walk every day if I can, as far as possible, in nature, on is my it, own, preferably. Was it there that you came up with your current project, which my maybe trees. is now... Yes, now is the time to talk about your yes. tree project. Yes, so basically with my spidergram, if that's the right word for it, what is Mind map. Mind map. I mean, it's a very 80s concept, yeah. I think, but I'm sure there's another more modern way of talking about but it. But somehow, I don't know how it happened again, but I think you're probably right. It was probably on a walk. I was like, I want to slow down. I want to do fine art photography. What do I want to photograph? And it just was obvious to me that I wanted to photograph trees. Hmm. Um, so then it was trying to find a way of how do I... How do my how are my pictures of trees going to stand out? Because lots of people have photographed trees. I mean, we live next door to Don McCullen, who has photographed them mm. in the most amazing way. So I was like, how am I going to stand up to this? So first of all, is to shoot on film because that really does just bring so much more depth to so the. So going back to analog, not digital. Analog. I went on eBay and I bought myself this camera. It's called a Pentax six by seven. Got it for four hundred pounds. From Japan. I've seen it. It's a total brick, isn't it? It's a brick. Isn't it? Don't you call, call it the brick? The brick, yes. <laughs> it's this heavy beast. And it's wonderful. And we're like, it makes, I should have bought it to even hear the shutter sound because it does this it's big lovely. thud when, the, when you release the shutter. And it's um, 120 film, so you get 10 images on the film, but actually the first one, the last one normally aren't. So you get eight images. And I was like, okay, I'm going to, for each tree, I'm going to shoot one roll of film. And I've just actually broken that rule this morning. Because what I hated with my... I found when you're digital, just more and more, I was just like shooting off hundreds, even thousands of images 
just because you're like, oh, I just try and get yeah. every shot. Bang, yeah, bang, yeah, bang, yeah. Bang, 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 bang. It's so quick and wonderful, these digital cameras. But then you're like, you've got all this editing. And it's by having eight shots for one thing. Even that sounds quite a lot to me now. I was like, oh, surely I should get it in one. You must have to consider, if you've only got eight, yeah. you have, so to, actually, have to consider it so much. Yeah, and you stop. And you really look, because often I'm arrived like, and I kind of get all feverish with yeah. my digital cameras, like, oh, but look at the light, quick, snap, snap, snap. And then actually, so with this, I'm like, no, I've got to be there. I'm going to sit with the tree for a bit. I'm going to slow down, consider it, yeah, and then choose and, my shot. And it has done exactly what you wanted to do then, which is slow down, just by switching from digital to film, yeah. immediately has slowed you down. Yeah, and you have to think far more carefully about what you're doing and do you feel connected with the trees in this process I mean how long would you spend with a tree a couple of hours gives me so much joy do you feel like they talk to you because people say they they do talk to each other through their yes exactly hand movements the the microzyle micro I can never say it yeah no they definitely communicate with each other so yeah I go and sit with them and I um I take them a little offering and hang out for a bit and I do have a chat with them and then I kind of, sorry if this sounds weird to people, but I ask its permission to take its picture. And then I Very do. considerate. It's just, I really enjoy the process. It's kind of the whole thing of just trying to be more thoughtful. Mm. I think I just lost that slightly in what I was doing. And then you have to wait and send it. I send it off to a lab. I'm, I haven't developed my own yet. I hopefully will at some point. But then you're waiting for them to come back. And then they come back. And it's just so exciting. Oh, so much more exciting. Because yeah. you have to... The, the fact that you've had to wait. When do we have to yeah. wait for anything exactly. anymore? And it's, it feels really unusual. And special, yeah. Yeah. This having to only take a few pictures, take your time with it, and then wait for the result. is mm. I'm really enjoying that process. Yeah. Slow down, everybody. And do they come so out how you expect? So th- they all have, apart from one, that was this... Um, it's a beech tree whose the the beech are known as kind of the queen of the forests. Mm. The oak is the king of the forests, and oh, the beech wow. is queen of the forests. And she was just—it was funny because you really can, if you really slow down and sit with the trees, you can feel a vibration of them. I mean, walking through a forest, you can feel it. Mm. Yeah. Um, and this one, I was like, ooh, it feels a little bit like I didn't want to kind of get too close to her at the beginning, and then I did. And I took some pictures and they just came out really weird. <laughs> Maybe that was my lack of technical knowledge. I don't know what happened, but they just didn't quite work. The images didn't work. I feel I should probably go back and try again. The the tree, the spirit of the tree. Didn't want to be photographed. No. It was hiding wrong. itself. <laughs> but I, I loved it for that, actually. When mm. I came, I was like, oh, yeah, okay, you, you weren't, that wasn't working. But then other ones, uh, yeah. Have mm. worked brilliantly but I'm kind of my aim is I'm keeping all these to myself at the moment and I've realized by now working for myself rather than working for a client which it was I had a really good kind of setup it's like a client employs you you say how much money you're going to do you turn up you shoot you deliver you take your money and you're done whereas this I've got to set myself kind of an end goal and time limits because otherwise mm. it could time could just kind of pass by so I'm aiming to do a show. It was going to be at the end of the year. I think actually it's going to be in spring. So I have a whole year to mm-hmm. to work on this project. Um, so yeah, so I kind of set myself this 
uh, time limit to work to. Mm-hmm. And then I'm going to have a show. It's so exciting. <laughs> um, have you got a, a sort of hit list of people you're approaching uh, to, yes. to photograph their trees? Well, I've just written a letter to David Attenborough. I hand wrote one and sent it off. Um, yes, I have. So I've got a few, I mean, I've got kind of local ones and family members and, and stories that are just coming, um, to me by meeting people, but then I am going to write to interesting people. Guy Shrubsall, if you're listening, I would, <laughs> I want to photograph your tree. I can't work out. I mean, to, I think we're going to have three listeners, Emma, so I can't guarantee we'll get him. <laughs> I can't find a contact oh, room is the thing. Okay. Anyone else that knows him, maybe they're oh, yes. listening. Yes. That'll do. Yeah, because so part part of the tree project is I mean we is raising awareness of how important trees are, which we kind of know, but they all have so many stories to tell. And Guy Shrubsill, he's written about the temperate rainforests that are on the west coast of um, England and Wales and Scotland, UK, um, and how kind of very important they are and they're these amazing forests like dripping in lichen and moss they're incredible when you approach someone um to sort of offer you their tree Mm. do they immediately know the tree yes that's what i found is that these people like some people are like oh i don't know if i have a tree and actually funny enough i don't know if i have a tree i do have a tree but it's really hard to photograph (laughs) (laughs) so looking for another one from my new home (laughs) Um, whereas some people are like, yes, I totally have a tree that has uh, meaning to me. And then, so what I'm kind of doing is it's it's going to be like a portrait of that person. They're going to gift me this tree and I'm going to take an image of it. But I will put their name alongside it. Mm. So it's like, this is Nat's tree. Mm. Um, I need to commission you to do one. Yes, have you got a tree? I need to think of a tree. I don't know if I have one off the top of my head. Oh, yeah. Well, but I, it, I have them from far away. Like, I remember trees. There's certain ones near the Queen's Arms pub that I always look at that tree, though, this group of trees and think, this, we call them the funny trees. For some reason, they make us laugh. There's like four in a row and they just look well, funny. But it. it's a real and distance four in a family, thing. maybe. Yeah, but that actually makes, I'm realising, so I need to kind of challenge myself on this a bit more, but... The best picture of a tree is one tree standing on a hill on its own. They're the ones that look the best. Okay. And particularly this time of year, like winter, they've been kind of these beautiful skeletal frames of the tree. Mm. But so I need to do other trees. I mean, I have done other trees as well, actually. Um, And when you think about the exhibition and printing these trees, do you feel like the scale of the print in your mind, like, will it depend on the tree? Because I can imagine seeing a a print mm, of a tree that's, I don't know, two metres high versus a mini, mini little one. Exactly that. That's really going to change. And I think it's going to, that that is what I have in my mind, that some are enormous, these just like huge kind of prints of these wonderful powerful tree like the oak trees at the moment are just symbolizing all this strength that we need so to have a huge image of the oak tree just is going to be amazing mm. but then the, there are these quieter little ones that are going to be so sweet as a smaller little print and i'm going to play around with what paper i'm going to print on and what inks as well just trying to make it all as natural as possible but that i haven't even kind of got to that bit of my journey but it's exciting and i do i, I can clearly in my mind, I clearly know what my show is going to look like. I know the location I want it to be. I'm aiming quite big, but I'm going to try. 
I won't say what it is. And also, actually, what I've started doing, which is really nice, is collaborating with other artists, which is something I wanted to do as well, because as a photographer, you're, you're working with stylists and the clients, but you're kind of, um, you're realising their image rather than your own, because you're shooting for them. Whereas I wanted to start collaborating with people for me. I mean, I guess this this what I'm doing now is more about me rather than the client which normally was who I was kind of trying to give the image for um so yeah I've been talking to artists who work with trees and it's just so wonderful and inspiring and kind of gives me an excuse to go meet all these lovely interesting people and then there's kind of the spiritual stories of how like folklore of trees there's Mm. a particularly wonderful woman who's very kindly shared a couple of trees on Dartmoor with me that I'm going to photograph in the next few weeks because one was hawthorn and I wanted the hawthorn to blossom. Um, but that's all about the spiritual meaning of the trees and one, the hawthorn is uh, meant to be a portal to the other world. So I love that. You know, like there are just so many different ways of looking at the trees and then there's another one that is, um, they've introduced beavers and so it's how the beavers are making dams and just, uh, which is going to help with flooding in the area. Mm-hmm. So reintroducing these animals that should have been here in the first place, and then they sort out all the problems that we've got with flooding and taking down the trees, and like um, they kind of spread all the wildflowers where they should be spread. I'm learning about all this. Yeah, stuff, have so. you spoken to Lulu Workhart about what she did for Chelsea last well, yes, year? Yes, exactly. And actually, Lulu's got a tree that she said she visits so I might go and photograph Lulu's tree well, hopefully with a beaver just there with the yeah. beaver hanging out <laughs> yeah, but yeah I mean the tree journey can just carry on forever I think there's so much there's so much to learn about them and there's so much interest mm. in them and then they're just these beautiful things to look at mm. it's again it's the same thing actually that um when I didn't realize I could make a living out of being a photographer now if I start calling myself an artist like I don't I haven't made any money from it yet because <laughs> I really just started. But it's like I never thought I could be an artist. Like that's just was far from where I saw myself going. It's like, oh, actually, I can create for myself and people might like it mm. and might want to buy it. And it doesn't seem like these sort of mental acknowledgements about yourself stop you from doing things you know mm. just like with a photographer you thought that but you still did it yeah and now you're doing the same thing but you're not going oh no no I can't possibly do it you're thinking it's like there's something inside <laughs> you. it's like well now I have to do it because I've realized there's a little well, thing there that's yeah. making me think oh no actually I'm going to do but it but I do like I laugh about it when I say it because it's like but this can't actually happen to me can it you know like I don't believe it but obviously I do because I'm doing it so mm. I have I'm definitely having to be very brave doing this. Like, it's not the easy route. I'm definitely pushing myself. But I, I'm i really enjoying pushing myself. Mm. So it doesn't... It, it's not going to come easy at all. But mm. it's, it's... I guess it's my gut saying, this is where you got to go. So I'm listening and I'm doing it. Mm. But it's that thing of, like, even here now, talking on the podcast, actually fills me with fear. <laughs> Speaking out loud, I've always hidden behind the camera. Yeah. And you know, I've never had my portrait taken. All of that, like, n- I've, I've never, I've always hidden away. And I now I'm wise and old at forty-five. I'm kind of ready to say, okay, here, here's me. Mm. Here's what I want to present. Portraits seem to be a thread to your work. 
Your work with Artist Sinks is another project which I'm yeah. fascinated by. Can yeah. you tell me a bit about the inspiration behind, behind the Sinks? Yeah, so when I was... I love my Artist Sinks. So when I was starting out as a photographer, again, I was kind of trying to find how I was going to do this. And the first thing I wanted to do was go and photograph artists in their studios. I don't know why, but that's just what appealed to me. So I did a few. And I've just found, as I've, like, through my however many years I've been doing this, I've always been really interested in sinks. What My favourite picture I've ever taken is of a sink in a house. It was in Ham in London. Um, and it had this, I call it the monk's sink. It was just this beautiful sink made of stone that had come from a monastery. And I just realised I've got this kind of thread of people's sinks. And it's it's basically, it's another way of me doing a portrait of that person without having to say, can I take your portrait? Because most people are like, oh, please don't take my portrait. Which I feel as well. So, and because I'm, I'm quite shy, and so actually, I understand why people might not want to put themselves in front of a camera. It's like, but can I take a picture of your sink? Because that just sums up, like whether you're a clean or t- you know tidy person, or I don't know if you have colour in your life, or if you are a minimalist. I don't know, there's something about it that sums that person up, which I hopefully the tree kind of does the tree project does that as well especially if you're creative you know going to a woodworker's sink or a painter's sink I mean in a painter's sink yeah the expression within the sink I mean surely they can't have a clean I mean with all that paint but some do really I actually wrote to Maggie Hambling (laughs) because I imagine her sink must just be amazing (laughs) I haven't heard back yet (laughs) still waiting (laughs) I'm just you know this but this is what I did when I started um interiors I just wrote to so many people and then some people did come back uh but yeah exactly like some people it's just a wonderful splatter of paint and then, uh, there's always a bottle of fairy liquid because obviously that works very well for getting I don't know things off, off your hands or whatever um but yeah they're just quite expressive places and actually a friend she's in her recording studio at the moment she's like come and do our recording studio sink and I say okay great yes I'm just gonna go around and take pictures of people's sinks and that's going to be I their love portrait. It. <laughs> there was an artist like Maggie Hamling mm. and I would love a picture of her sink. Mm. So it is intimate. And and the other thing about it, I did go, I've been starting to do people's sinks and I make sure I go and I only take a picture of their sink in like one or two shots. I sometimes do three just if I'm feeling nervous, I haven't got it. But um, And I'm surrounded by all this beauty but I've been like, no, I'm going to take a picture of the sink, that's what I asked for and that's it. And so it's very good um, lesson for me, again, to only take the image that you Focus. need. Focus. Yeah. Yeah. So it's good, kind of. So moving away from commercial photography, have your inspirations changed? It hasn't changed. I remember I have had one show before, and it was... Really? <laughs> I went to Newcastle University, and the theme was senses. And they said, Emmy, will you photograph... Will you do some pictures for us? And funnily enough... There are circles. I love circles. Mm. I'm quite obsessed by circles. And actually, I keep on... Now I'm, like, kind of looking back on what I've been doing. Um, one of the pictures was of a dandelion clock, you know, when it's turned into the yep. seeds. And it was a friend of mine blowing it. But it was a dandelion. And the, there are so many dandelions this year. Have you noticed that? When you go outside, they're everywhere. They symbolise strength as well. So we've just got to hold on tight, everybody. Keep strong. But I've, I'm wanting to photograph these dandelion clocks again. And I was like, oh, actually, yes. 25 years ago. It's a circle in itself, Emmy. That's what I, and that is a circle. That is exactly. a circle in itself. With the seeds coming out. So, yeah, I'm doing a kind of little... And symbolism. 
I feel like symbolism you... is massive to me. Mm. Yeah, I love um, when my granny died. We were all given. All, she had a very beautiful collection of books, and we just kind of took um, a shelf each. And in one of them was the a little book called um, Language of Flowers. That's what it's called, Language of Flowers. And it's how, um, like in the Victorian time, you'd give a, uh, you know, rose means love, you know, mm. whatever they were. And so all these flowers were symbolic of something. And I that's just always fascinated me. And so that's something I want to kind of realise. I've got quite a lot of projects to do. <laughs> so this, I need to try. You're not short of ideas, are you, really? Ideas. So that's good. And... Um, so yeah, I want to do that, and because also I'm very into um, like the healing power of trees and flowers. I have lots of flower essences, so if I'm feeling a bit nervous, I quite want to collaborate with my partner, Mr. Smith, who he does letterpress. So somehow, kind of, it's something I had, did do before as well, but I didn't do it very well. So um, printing out the name of the flower or the tree or whatever it is with its symbolism, and whether it's a photograph or. I started pressing flowers and leaves. So, but yes, everything comes down to nature, and what it symbolises, mm. what it makes you feel. So, trying to realise that, and in a beautiful way that people might want to put it on their wall. I love it. Terrifying. I want. I want one of everything you do. <laughs> Good. So, um, if you were to give advice to anyone looking to shift their life, maybe their career, or somehow go into a whole new. Mm. Dream, yes. I keep on using the word journey. I mean, we need a better word for journey, but that is what it is. Yes, absolutely. So just go for it. That's really unhelpful, isn't it? But I think you just can't be... Like, if the idea is there and if it's been sitting there for a while, you've just got to go and do it. And I think you have to set... This is what I'm learning, because I have... Before it, you know, as I said, it's like I was given a job and I went and did it. It's like you have to set yourself some um, deadlines. And you've got to keep on um, talking about it, actually. What I did was I started saying to everyone, I'm going to be a fine art photographer, which is how I started being a photographer. It's like, I'm a photographer. There was nothing to say I was a photographer. I just started holding a camera and calling myself a photographer. So, yeah, I would say just um, be brave, which I don't see myself as brave, but actually... Are you pointing out? It's like, but you've done all these things. Like, oh yeah, okay, I have done it. So, and um, keep going, keep the momentum going. And you're going to make errors. There's going to be, uh, I don't mind, something I say all the time, which is so cheesy. <laughs> what is it but like it, your strap, your slogan? It's, it's my slogan. And it was, um, Ronan Keating said it. And my friends hear this, they're going to be laughing so much. But... <laughs> I can't even say it with a straight face. Life is a roller coaster and you've just got to ride it. So there's going to be those ups and there's going to be downs and you're just going to... And actually, because I've been talking about this quite a lot with other artists, yeah, you just have like your real highs of like, this is it, this is amazing. And then you're like, oh my God, but this is awful. How, I, how am I going to make this happen? And then you carry on again. Go for a walk. That is mm. definitely, that's my top tip. Go for a walk by yourself. Go for a walk with friends as well. That's nice, mm. but probably end up talking about yourself more (laughs) I do and come back and just keep working on it yeah you've got to push yourself Mm -hmm. I'm always amazed by how I like again when I was starting out like I just literally did push myself I I mean I wrote so many emails when we were talking about it's like did I actually send a fax I did when I was being a runner I think I was sending a fax but I just 
I really bring back the facts. Bring back the facts. I mean, God. it's so exciting when one comes. Yeah, through. Can you imagine waiting for a fax to come through. <laughs> but just um, oh, actually, I tell you, um, this is a very rambling way. So when I worked for Stephen Polikoff, who was a um, he's a writer director. And what I realised he did, he always, if he wasn't getting his way, if things weren't working out, he was like, I want to talk to the man at the top. It was a man at the top, unfortunately. Mm, yeah. then. And he was like, I w- he would always go to the top. He wouldn't um, kind of talk to someone who might not have the answer. He was like, no, I'm only going to talk to the boss of the BBC or whatever. Which, and he did. And he managed to have coffee with them or whatever and have a chat. And then things just suddenly happened very wow. quickly. And so I did learn that. And that's why when I started again with the photography I didn't I didn't want to work for um sorry magazines ideal home or 25 beautiful homes or whatever because I wanted to go to the top I was like I might as well try and then work my way down and I it worked so keeping up the momentum and believing in yourself Yeah. yeah I mean the embarrassing thing is we're doing this at the beginning of this journey none of it has actually happened yet I'm just embarking on it but here I am putting it out there so come on universe make it happen for yes me. well on that note thank you so much for coming that's to my, my honor it's been really fun thank, thank you so, so much, much. a lovely conversation to listen to it was so nice i know emma for a very long time mm. so that came across there it? was like so much warmth between you both oh mm. um she was my first friend that i made in bruton because we did the before i even had the shop um when it was being done up in the front of my house um i did a pop-up at the chapel oh. and no one came because it was tipping it down with rain I did it with Hole and Corner magazine, actually. Oh, nice. Um, and Emma was one of the, f- probably one of five people that came in that whole day. And, and you then, were like, be my friend. Yes, and she was so nice. And I was thinking, I've got no other friends here. And if people like her live in Bruton, then I should be okay. And then thank God she actually came in and had a coffee when we had the coffee shop as part of Caro. And we just stayed with friends. Oh, wow. That's I didn't even know you had a coffee shop. Yeah. Oh, wow. I'm barista trained. I I actually am also barista trained. Why are you barista trained? I worked in a coffee shop. There you go. Yeah. Well, we can make coffee. We can. (laughs) We do like a coffee. Yeah. So, Emma likes a coffee. (laughs) She probably doesn't. She does. Does she? Okay, Yes. That conversation actually really got me thinking about how, you know, those moments in life when suddenly you're redirected from the path you thought you were moving on. And sometimes you could really buck up against that. But, you know, she was made redundant and that opened up the opportunity for her to become a photographer. Yeah. And it almost was fate. Yes. Because then she, yes, she could do her dream. Whereas if that maybe hadn't have happened, would she have been able to to support her? She wouldn't have been able to support herself. But Emma is also really good at putting herself out there. Like she Mm. just contacts people. Yes. A hundred emails a day. Yeah. <laughs> and she she always goes high. You know, when she was saying also the best magazine, she wouldn't have gone for like Ideal Home. Yeah. She went right in to the magazines she really wanted to be in. Yeah. And then she said she'd work her way down. down. Which I thought that was such a clever way to approach things. And also with the trees, she just, or the, the sinks, she just contacts really famous artists. Mm. And you know how she wrote to David Attenborough to see his favourite tree? Yeah. You know who wrote back? 
Amazing. He what wrote did he back say? a really nice letter describing exactly where it was. Oh. Turn left here, go through those gates, and it's this one there. So she's visited the tree. Wow. I know. And she's she's photographed it. I don't think she's photographed it yet because she just did a recce and she's gonna go back and, and do it. But I mean Amazing. It shows you should always just put yourself out there. Yeah, I think if you're ever trying to forge any sort of career for yourself, the only way to do it is by putting yourself out there. And it does feel scary and it never feels like incredibly comfortable. But as she said, you know, just start saying it and then like if you keep saying it, you start to believe it yeah. yourself. Yeah, affirmations. Yeah. Do you absolutely. do that? Um, I do, yeah, I do affirmations. It's funny, actually, that you say that because I met some other women at one of the Adet events and we were talking about, you know, how do we introduce ourselves? And I think a lot of us find it really hard to sort of say, hi, I'm Natalie and I'm a, you know, a life coach or yeah. whatever it is and actually be able to say it with confidence. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's actually something we have to practice mm-hmm. and really try on for size, like try the different words that describe what you do until you find something you feel really confident in saying. I had that yesterday, actually. Somebody asked me, what do you do? I didn't know what to say. I sort of said, well, I guess you could call me a podcaster at the moment which sounds totally ridiculous but that's like the dream job no well it is but I mean I can't I don't think I can quite call myself a podcaster yet I mean what what define yeah how do you define it's you you are podcasting I'm podcasting right now as we speak and like if we're talking about our guest today and like you know the similarities you have gone out there and just asked these amazing people that you've met in your career do you want to come and be on a podcast and they've all said yeah I think people expect to know but actually a lot of the time people are really interested to speak about what they're doing to have another platform to share it on and actually that made me think about the fact she's obviously worked with people who have really shaped her career and I think for me at the moment I'm in the market for a mentor of some of some sorts Mm. and I think that's something that's really missing in my life is like who is that woman I would love it to be a woman who I can sort of speak to once a month and just get a steer on how I'm how I'm doing with my business and life you know, yeah I'd love to find a mentor. do you have someone in mind I have a couple of people in mind but maybe after this conversation I just need to reach out yeah because <laughs> I've often thought I'd like a mentor and then I never got that far because I'd always have that thought of oh they're not going to want to do it yeah for me yeah, and then it's like, well, how does it actually work? Like, is yes, it an official is it role? Yes. And there's so many different types of mentors. Some people yes. do like pay. to get paid. Yes. Some people don't. But then mm. because it's a grey area, it's sort of, I guess you can always just say, how do you work? But also I think you can think about how you would work best with a mentor. For example, I think I'd quite like it to be paid because I'd feel more comfortable yeah. in that exchange. Yeah, 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 totally. And whether that's like a you know high fee or like a medium fee, because obviously the person that I'd like to work with probably charges something I can't afford. So but is there a nominal fee where it feels like it's a fair sort of exchange? Yeah, totally. Um, what I love about Emma's redirection with her career is that mm. she's evolving her career to suit her personality and how that's changed so she is a different person to who she was when she started as a photographer Mm. she loves being in nature and she somehow found a way Mm. to bring that to her to her career yeah and I like listening to you guys talking about how she found that clarity and like through writing down through doing artist pages and it's like so important isn't it when you suddenly feel that your life is like no longer in alignment how do you make that shift to work yeah. out like you know what you're, you've been going through as well how do you decide what that next step is for you and it yeah. is about that sort of self-reflection work and taking yes. the pause yeah and actually working out what it is that you want to do and making those connections like she did to 
loving nature, loving being outside, loving connecting with her garden, wanting to be a fine artist. She would always say to me all the time, Nat, you need to do your morning pages. Have you done that ever properly, the Julia Cameron? I've read the book, but I haven't actually done it because my kids are up at like 5.30. So I'm, so, I'm not getting up at five just to, I just can't. But I do. I it should just be called pages. Yes. And I, that's like with my, with everything. It's like, it doesn't have to be done first thing in the morning because it's so exclusive that you have that space not everyone has that yeah over the last year I've done self-reflective work Mm. taking things right back and trying to almost forget everything that I've done and then building on that Mm. which it sounded like that's how she came to decide to take that change in her career how about you because when did you start on balance well actually in, in a similar way I was made redundant really yeah I was made redundant and given a year no six months pay and then I was also pregnant. So then I was given my maternity package up front. And it was, I was working for a big company at the time um, in a quite a big role. So it was a really nice cushion that mm. meant I could go, okay, I'm going to stop for a moment. I'm going to be pregnant and actually like enjoy the yeah. pregnancy. Um, and so I sort of started on balance very gently at that point, just writing, trying to work out what it was going to become, not knowing that I was going to be a life coach. And that came sort of later, probably a year and a half down the line. But yes, it was one of those twists of fate. And actually, I remember being made redundant and it wasn't the right job for me. Um, So that was a blessing. It was a blessing. But even when those things happen, because you haven't chose it, it can feel really conflicting. Yeah. And I remember sitting in like a cafe on Old Street and having a bit of a cry and thinking like, was it something I did wrong? But Mm -hmm. ultimately that I think the role they hired me for wasn't actually a role that they needed. They thought they needed it and it wasn't it wasn't right. And so that I always say rejection is redirection and I really felt it at that point Mm. that was such a blessing in disguise which you know very quickly I think it was only two days later I was like hang on this is brilliant Mm. (laughs) in that in that space the other thing with on balance was it was trying to demystify this sort of wellness world where it all felt very complicated and exclusive and I think listening um to Emma today that sort of simplification of stuff the way she went from digital analog yes and now photographing on film yeah yeah super interesting especially in today's world where we're taking so many images all the time every day definitely but I would never have done that before mobile phones no and it feels almost overwhelming and she made me think I want to get a camera and I want to shoot on film I want to shoot my family on film and have you know print them out and love those photos rather than have 3,000 images on my iPhone that I barely look at do you hug trees I have hugged trees for years when it was not cool really yes I've never done it I have always loved trees and actually you reminded me of another thing I thought about when I was listening to this and the power of nature she takes these photos of the trees and she says sometimes she just can't capture it yeah and I think that's the beauty of nature like if you look at the full moon you always say oh I really want to take a photo of that it never looks good and I always think it's the universe being like (laughs) you aren't going to capture my beauty you've just got to be in the moment so mm. I really respect the ritual she's created around taking photos of the trees. Mm-hmm. And that she gets to know the trees. Beautiful. And sits with it and chats to it. Yeah, and asks permission. I think like an invitation there for us all to think about how we can bring ritual into our work and yeah. slow it down and like have a reverence to what it is that we do. Mm-hmm. Yes. I was just thinking about what rituals I have. We've talked about rituals. Didn't we talk about rituals? I think, Mike, 10 minutes ago. Did we? <laughs> I mean, in the 
first episode. You have rituals. You do your meditation, don't you? How I is don't the think I Kundalini have... meditation going? Yeah, I don't know if I'd call it a ritual. Oh. I think it's like a daily practice I have. But okay. I, I feel so like a ritual. Yeah. yeah, what is the difference between a ritual and a practice? I don't know technically what the difference is. But in my mind, a yeah. ritual is more of a sort of spiritual reverence towards something. So whereas my daily practice is there to sort of like help me, yeah. a ritual is actually bigger than that. It's bigger okay. than me. It's like a moment in time. Yes. I don't know if that's right, but that's just how I perceive the yeah, difference. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What about you? Yeah, I'm pretty lame. I just think of rituals like Easter. Oh, and Christmas. <laughs> I mean, are they? Are they not just and, like traditions? Well, this is exactly. <laughs> um, Annoying ones? No, no. I, I fantasize again. I want to be this person that has rituals and I put things in place. Like I have a little area mm. set up for my rituals. But no, I never ritualise. Mm. <laughs> I've actually always wanted to, we're going off topic a little bit, but I've always wanted to learn how to do a tea ceremony. Yes. And like have those long mornings where you wake up and you're like, I'm just going to sit cross-legged yeah. and pour my tea. Yeah. Also, we haven't had a little chat about the fact it was your birthday. Oh, <laughs> it was my birthday. I'm now 42. How I mean... does 42 feel compared to 32? Oh, God. Older. Um, Actually, you know what? I love being in my early 40s. I I feel better than ever. Not physically, necessarily. (laughs) Um, I just wish there weren't numbers around. If I could scrap a number away from my identity. And we can. I know we can, but we can't. Because every year we're like, oh, you're now 43 and 44 Mm. and 45. And oh my God, you're you're constantly, you can't actually. I would feel very different. (laughs) Can you just stop tapping the glass? Um, I would feel probably different if I just didn't have that number. I've thought about that loads. I can't believe we've not had this conversation. Numbers, they sort of are a cage in which we live in, even the time. Yes. The, the the time on the clock where we're like, okay, well, I've got to be finished by three. And then suddenly yeah. those two hours feel smaller yes. than if you weren't looking at the time. They'd feel really long. Yes, exactly. And I, I and I do always play with that as like an idea. How can we embrace like ignoring that side mm. of things? Because as you said, and as that saying goes, you're, you, you, what's it? <laughs> you know, like you feel your age. Yeah. You're only as old as you feel. feel. That's the one. Or, or, yeah, or as my dad would say, a number. as my yeah. dad would say, you're only as old as the woman you're feeling. <laughs> I have realized though, because obviously as you get older, you do look older, but I've, I've sort of come up with a new Botox in a way. Oh, Instead of getting Botox, just always smile a little bit. Because mm. then your lines are part of the smile. Do I you mean, see what I mean? So I love look lines. Look at me now. <laughs> and they're just—they're just gone. Your lines have gone because you're smiling. So. <laughs> Do you see what I'm trying to say? It's at this moment just, that I wish it was a video. <laughs> yeah, I did look a bit crazy. But do you see what I mean? <laughs> I also wanted to talk about Glastonbury. Did you watch any? I watched Elton last night. Oh my God, I love that. I didn't, I didn't what? watch him. One thing I find interesting about Glastonbury though is now living in Somerset is like you feel the Glastonbury energy on this weekend. Uh-huh. It's amazing. And it's such a massive thing here. Everyone goes. Yeah. Britain is like a ghost town yeah. at Glastonbury. I think one of the restaurants here said they had like two covers. Yes. <laughs> I mean, yeah, it's 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 and a rite it, of passage, isn't it? You know, the schools here deliberately have an, an inset, inset day yeah. on the Friday because they know all the parents 
parents are taking their kids into Glastonbury. Amazing. Okay. When I was 17, I went and it sort of traumatised me because <sighs> it was in the days, very different to how Glastonbury mm. is now, and it was the muddiest year. Yes, I don't want to go when it's raining. No. I went to the loo and because it was so muddy... You couldn't really see what was going on in the dark. And there was a hole in front of the toilet and I fell in the hole. <laughs> I can't. I don't I fell in the hole. Want to so I was the only one of my friends that had a full waterproof suit. <laughs> and all my wellies were just full of craps. And it was just so awful. It yeah. was awful for a 17-year-old. But quite amusing to reflect on. Yes. There's been a lot happening this weekend. I've seen you three times. I know. And you'll see me tomorrow. Oh my god! Fuck off! Well, tomorrow <laughs> we get to hear you um, on a panel, moderating a panel. Yes, on storytelling. Amazing! I'm really excited, and yes. we've got our guest from last week is actually on the panel, Camilla. I know. How lovely! All the people on the panel I know, so I'm hoping it's just going to be like I'm having a chat. I've just got to pretend the audience isn't there. Yes, have your back to the audience completely. <laughs> yes, I'll just. <laughs> You know, like those. Like an, there's like some a, of those artists, those music artists. The knife. They used to do that. They would either it would be really dark, so you can't see them, or they would have their back to the audience. Perhaps you can just say ingenious. it's like an artistic oh. thing that you're doing. Yeah, it's a story. Yeah. I'm telling. Yeah. <laughs> I'm nervous. I don't want to see your faces. <laughs> um, I'm looking forward to hearing. Yeah, hearing all about. Well, that. we can talk yeah. about how it went next week. You take great photos. I think I always think your photographs are beautifully oh, have a really nice um what's it called proportions no com perspective com, com composition composition there we yeah. go oh, I always thanks. feel like yes yeah. I do like taking a photo yeah Emma's the only person that's ever taken my portrait is that the picture on this podcast taken by yes her? she took that oh. one she's taken all my portraits nice um what's she like to work with then she is to be her so, subject it just makes you feel so at ease how does she do that i it's just being her she's mm. such a warm lovely person you just immediately feel relaxed in her company mm. she doesn't have any pretense to her well you heard that in the conversation that's why it was such a warm conversation just yeah. the way she talked about everything she does and the way she does things it just feels gentle and what I found interesting is going back to the identity thing mm. is that now calling herself a, an artist yep. and you know what what is it that makes you an artist well what is it that makes you anything and I, I was <laughs> no, <laughs> yeah. but yes. really it's it's again it's these labels when, like you were talking about with the numbers we can choose what we want to call ourselves and um, it's about the conviction behind it and the reasons behind it, I think, yeah. that are important. It doesn't really matter. Yeah. She's not, as she, as she said, she's not even had her first exhibition, but she's calling herself an artist. And it's that sort of getting yeah. herself into that mindset. Yeah. So everything that she does is from that perspective of being an artist. I think she's had that energy of being a self-starter from a young age by the sounds of it. Yeah. Yeah, and I think that is the thing, isn't it? When you're trying to work for yourself, that's kind of an essential energy to have. Yeah, and she's brave. She, you know, uncharted territory. She's, she, it doesn't scare her to kind of swim in those waters. She, she, it feels like she almost likes that thrill of it in a way. Mm, Going yes. into territories that she's unfamiliar with and yeah as she said she finds she finds it scary but she does it anyway yeah and you asked her what piece of advice did she have and you know she said just start just do it just do it or whatever yeah and I think 
she said oh, that that's really unhelpful but it really isn't and I think yes there are things you need to hang in the balance there of like can you afford to do it like you know doing something from a place of scarcity is not always brilliant so perhaps mm. keep it as a side hustle but do it mm. do it just start because it will change and it will transform and it does not have to be perfect done mm. not perfect is better than not doing it mm. yeah I've often done things that if I find that I'm scared of something I'll try and do it to overcome it well, not necessarily fear but I think it's like a control thing mm. you know if you feel like something's controlling you it often feels like you need to do it so that you yeah. are the person taking control mm. and and also it builds a trust within yourself that you can do these things and the more you do them yes. like even if it's not perfect it, yes the more you trust mm. it, it builds that inner confidence I also enjoy like okay for something that's holding me back because I'm scared I want to work through that because I yeah. want to live my life really live it yes mm. yeah totally well thank you so much well thank you thank you thank you thank you yeah, yeah. see you next so, week see you tomorrow actually see you tomorrow. <laughs> again <laughs>